on Tuesday, April 14th, 2009. Delilah Gray walked into a restaurant, ordered a falafel clean and dirty, and entered a secret back room with a red leather briefcase. But that's beside the point right now. Similarly, this is not the story of a man with a duck's penis. He is a normal man, well-built and handsome, with a big head of hair and fabulous beard, in fact. The only different thing about him is that he has the penis of a duck. But as I said, that's his story and not ours. Let's regroup. It's raining a mean green rain. The kind that only falls in the movies. After an extended walk through the lingering delusion zone, Gus empties his pockets on the table. A scrunched up brown paper bag, a candy wrapper, a sandwich crust, and an empty coffee cup. His phone, wallet, and keys are nowhere to be found. Shit. So many dumpsters on the way. <sighs> He's been distracted. It's not every day a severed head falls at your feet on the sidewalk at noon. It has only happened to him twice before, though the first was at a quarter of twelve and the other was only half a head. And not the left or the right, in case you were wondering, but the top. Everything above the bridge of the nose, dead eyes frozen in a lazy wink. Though today's severed head is different. There's just something amiss about it. Besides a body, of course. <laughs> but let's start with a casual smattering of facts. A one, a two, a one, two, three, go! His name is Gus Tulip. Though not so long ago, it was Jensen Cake. And before that, Rufus Nails. And it was once Digger Met. But that's not important. So long as you remember that his name is Gus Tulip, and he's a dick. A private dick. Gus Tulip, a private dick, oh, oh, oh yeah. Gus just took on a new case, and it's a doozy. Couple of days back, or was it six? Man by the name of Dops Fabulon stops by the office with his syphilitic cat. He walks as if he's riding a tiny bicycle. Fabulon, that is, and not the cat. He owns several self-service and drop-off laundrettes. And there are rumors it's mainly for the worn panty-sniffing opportunities. What we know about him for a fact is that when he was 28, he bit off his own finger by accident, thinking it was a french fry. And that he actually has a vomitorium in his house, like the Romans used to have, and uses it often, you know, to purge after binging. Oh, he also makes guests pay to use his bathroom, like in European train stations. He has an old woman with a perm collect 50 cents at the door. Anyway, Dops Fabulon spins one hell of a yarn. She won't eat meat unless she kills it herself, so I had to keep sending her out back to the chicken coop with my cricket bat. 
She ended up staying with me for over a week, just till she could get her papers in order and she could rejoin her sister in Italy for their great aunt's funeral. In all that time, she only ever let me kiss her on the cheek, but to within a centimeter of her mouth, and with full-on sloppy tongue for a good thirty seconds. Marvelous times, yes, marvelous. When her documents came through, I personally drove her to the airport and put her on the plane with fond farewells and a promise to visit her in Naples over the summer for authentic pizza and multiple pickpocket violations in the narrow shaded streets. But the very next day, I saw her going by in a bus, just two blocks from my place, with a different hairstyle and different colored eyes, but it was her all right. <coughs> the following day, I saw her again at my local cafe, through the window, eating escargot on the terrace, but by the time I got out there, she was gone. I admit, I did stop for a Pim's cup and a round of croquet on the way. The day thereafter, I spotted her once more on the CCTV of the sidewalk outside my flagship laundrette, wearing a clown costume and heels, smoking and swigging wine from the bottle. She put the butt out on her tongue. Yes, she was in disguise, but it was definitely her. I can declare this for a fact, even though around this time, I confess, I was dosing regularly with 5-MeO-DMT. But it was assuredly her each time, and if not her, then it was certainly she. Oh, ta. Now, even though this was all most curious, I would have thought little of it. But the very next day, I went for my usual mediocre scones and sausage with under-seasoned gravy at my local bistro. I usually get my own booth, but this time I was seated at the communal table beside a man who looked exactly as I looked twenty years ago, down to the pencil moustache and three chipped teeth. I had to do a double take, a younger doppelganger, if you will. Later in the week, when I returned to the same bistro for my regular bland chips and chicken with weird sauce, I was again seated at the communal table, this time beside a man I imagine I will look precisely like in twenty years, down to the unsightly brown mole, yellowish skin and unruly nose hair in only one nostril. An older doppelganger this time, you see. Naturally, I struck up conversations with both the men, but each claimed not to speak English, and neither seemed struck by my likeness. I left feeling anxious. This confluence of odd events is no coincidence, you see. There are conspiracies afoot. Plans, hierarchies, backs being scratched. Nasty things afoot, I tell you. Nasty. Yeah, this last line really betrays his upbringing. Dobbs Fabulon isn't really posh. 
That's not even his real name, by the way. It's something like Dennis Potts. His father was a dock worker and his mother a wet nurse to the criminally insane. <laughs> Fabulon is an obnoxious creature and Gus doesn't know how much of his story to believe. 12, 33 or 68%. But he takes the case anyway. Dops gives him a contract to sign, pronouncing it contract, as if describing a place to hang vaginas. It comes with a decent advance, the bulk to be paid on delivery, but another chunk up front for expenses. You know, tips, bribes, tacos, chloroform, moonshine, etc. It ain't a bad deal, and it was never much of a choice. Times are tough, money short, and he has bills to pay, debts to settle. Besides, there are worse things in life than obnoxiousness. It is a known quantity, a familiar quality, and one Gus has no problem working with. No, sir. No, ma'am. No problem at all. But let's take a quick break now, because... This portion of the program is brought to you by Limboland. Do you dream of running around with little knowledge of what's going on? when it will or won't happen, and if any of it will ultimately work, of doing one thing after another with extensive delays and no results, well now you can! At Limboland! Limboland, Limboland, don't get it done at Limboland. At Limboland, we offer an extensive program consisting entirely of loose ends. Feel the deep magic of finding absolutely no closure. Let a tonality wash over you until the... Pick up your to-do list at the entrance and tick off none of the items. In fact, more items magically appear on it throughout your visit, so there's always more to not get done. At Limboland there is so much to choose from and not to achieve. You could stop by one of our proprietary phone booths and get put on hold with a cable company. Or simply have the line go dead after following 8 confusing electronic prompts to finally reach the right department. You could stand in a very long line that turns out to be the wrong line for what you want to do. And then in another even longer line with a counter that closes for lunch break just as soon as you get to the front. Or buy crypto through one of our third party agents who will immediately lose the login details for your wallet. Whatever you choose, we can guarantee that nothing will work out. <coughs> Bring the whole family to Limboland to share in the unease. Try the vending machines dotted all over the park where chips and candy always get stuck in the coil and cannot be shaken loose. Use the universal free Wi-Fi by asking our scarce and unreliable staff for the code, which definitely will not work. And when the next code does, it only connects for a minute before asking for the password again which will not work the second time. 
Then the whole thing suddenly switches to dial-up. Remember, there's no cell phone coverage anywhere inside Limboland. Especially not in the designated hotspots. And when it's finally time to leave, after walking around for hours, reaching several dead ends, don't forget to collect your ungainly goodie bag without handles and with large hole in the bottom from the exit. You probably won't find your car in the parking lot. Limboland, Limboland, don't get it done at Limboland. Limboland is open two to seven days a week, excluding blackout dates with ever-changing times. Information on website incorrect. Limboland, corner of Washington and Chart. Second venue opening soon or much later or maybe not on the corner of Dirty and Sanchez. Limboland, visit us twice to triple your frustration. Okay, we're back. So, the first obvious lead for Gus to follow is the dame, Bethany Muerte. It's probably fake, but that's the name Fabulon provided, along with some recent photos. Gus looks them over now. He's an astute and intuitive observer, and they have plenty to say. For example... Straight off the bat, it's clear that Bethany Muerte is a risky road crosser with a penchant for poorly cooked rice. Clumpy, stolid, clingy, yum. She is damn good looking, mark it down, and robustly sexy. But any fool could tell you that, and we only rely on foolish opinions five-eighths of the time here. <laughs> Seriously though, she's one hell of a dish. In every photo, she looks directly into your eyes in a deeply personal way. As if you were alone together in a high-end hotel room in the very first days of a passionate love affair. Her smile can make you adore a cappella, detest perfectly ripe avocados, and invite you to make a large, blind, can't miss investment in the Lithuanian property market through a friend of a friend. In fact, in every way, Bethany Muerte is a tight, delicious, perfectly proportioned dame. In the one photo, at the abattoir, that flap of ass curves so perfectly below her jean shorts that you can finally just shake your head and give up on making sense of the world. Because nothing that smooth and ideally proportioned could exist in a world you pretend to understand. But Bethany is not only about that ass. That ass. It's formidable and just plain preposterous for sure. But when viewing her in totality, perhaps dramatically from above, zooming out via a skillful drone operator, there is so much more. In every photo, it's as if a Dutch master painted her. The light just seems to sit on her that way. Now, Gus is a professional of sorts with a job to do, so he drinks gin and studies the pictures further, till they whisper, gossip, tease and then shout. And so it becomes clear that Bethany is, for example, skilled at walking through dense festival crowds holding multiple beers without spilling a drop, 
and also adept at eating crunchy cucumbers softly in crowded rooms while acquaintances nap on couches nearby. Miss Muerte can't remember if she's ever been to Rome, and she doesn't care. She's the type to dig under several pieces of rock sugar to get to the one she likes best. The type to eat kiwis like hand fruit, skin and all. And not only kiwis, mind you, papayas too. No, surely not papayas. Yeah, papayas too. The lowdown on Bethany Muerte is that while she might not always know someone, she always knows someone who knows someone. It's clear she's as fond of sadness as she's ever been of glee. She's got major baggage, sure, but it's all Samsonite, Toomey and Rimoa. She prefers starting fires to starting families and is always disappointed when the soup of the day is pumpkin. Miss Muerte is a hooligan in mascara. She'll fuck your great uncle and like it too, because damn it, she appreciates a touch of droopy foreskin now and again. Yes, many are haunted by their personal demons, but she searches them out and invites them over for meatloaf and grits. Nutloaf for the vegans. In fact, she's mighty upset she hasn't done nearly enough with them yet. Anyway, that's what Gus Tulip gathers from an initial peek at the photos. And though it's a good start, it's not enough. Yep, it's time to pay another visit to his number one informer. A man with a read on all the goings on in town and all around. The snitch with the never-ending itch. The one and only Pedro Beans. There's absolutely no time to waste. Every second counts. He must get to Pedro right away. But first, Gus has some business to attend to. Just a couple of pressing personal matters, you know. For starters, he has to cook some more K. He's running low, and at his level of intake, cooking your own is the only sensible thing to do. In the afternoon, he does a few lines, drinks three Negronis, and stops by 8 Vice Larry for a few quick clips from his custom-built taser. Then, before that buzz wears off, a visit to Madame Dijon and one of her girls. Mm, oh. <laughs> with a few drinks after at the Alamo Rose just to settle back down. Yep, Fabulon's advance is coming in handy. It's after midnight, the next day, when Gus knocks on the heavy trapdoor, leading to the basement where Pedro has recently taken up lodging. It's hot down there. Hot as a ham fresh out of the oven, but then left on the counter for an hour to rest. As usual, a stack of radio scanners, receivers and interceptors are chattering away. Pedro has grown a goatee and put on 20 pounds, but his motor mouth has lost none of its punch. I can't believe you're working for Dop Fabulon, man. I see his last month. 
He talked to me like a crow, like a dirty, dirty crow. Always giving to me the stinky eye. I'm telling you, that man is a pervert. A low-down, stinky pervert. He salts his nipples, man. He masturbates to the sound of melting cheese. I would not be surprised if he have an psoriasis. In fact, I am astounded he have never been convicted of gross negligence. But hey, man, you know that riddle, that tongue twister? How much woo could I woo cha cha if I woo cha coo cha woo? That shit been in my head, man. Like a ear fly, you know? Like a mosquito in a brain. And it really made me think, you know? Like, how much, right? Like, precisely, or even inherently. Like, exactly how much woo can this motherfucker chop? It's not a simple question. There is many parameters to consider. So many variables to take into account. It's kind of like a paradox, right? Or maybe it's more like an anomaly. Anyway, it's really an existential quandary. A significant challenge to the way we structure our reality. No, but Dog Fabulon, he no good, man. That man, he eat the soup with no bread. I'm telling you, with no bread at all. That's just plain uncivilized, man. And he wears sock in the shower, man. Totally naked, but with sock. And you know what else I heard? I heard his panties smell like a walrus. A fucking walrus. But forget about all that, man. You didn't come to Pedro to talk about no dop fabulon penis. You wanna know about muerte. And lucky for you, my friend, I know a little something about it. For the right price, you can know about a muerte too. And there you have it, folks. We have reached the end of the episode. Be sure to tune in again for the next riveting installment. This has been a Cantor Loop production. <laughs>